The Lord Jesus had 12 original disciples, but those men were just the first of many more followers of Christ. They are an example for us to learn from and a reminder that God works in ordinary people. Are you a true follower of Jesus Christ? Let's study the 12 with Scott Pauley today and find truth that will help us all to follow more closely to Christ. When I was just a boy, I was taught a chorus, a beautiful little song that stuck with me. Let me share it with you, and you can relax. I'm not going to sing it to you. I'll just quote the words. It went something like this. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And now, all these years later, I just want to pause and thank the Lord that he is still working on me. And boy, it is a work in progress. Anybody else out there just grateful today that God's patient with you? Glad the Lord hasn't given up on you, that he continues to work in you and on you and through you. What a wonderful, patient Savior we have. We see the first illustration of this in the first disciples, in the twelve, how patiently our Lord worked with them all the way up to the end and even beyond, even after he ascended, how he began uh, to, to intensify his work in and through these early disciples. We've come in our study today to Acts chapter number 1. You'll remember that I said to you there are several places in Scripture where the original disciples are listed. Well, this is one of them. Acts chapter 1, verse number 13 says, And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. Now, you'll notice a couple of things. The first is the only person missing is Judas Iscariot. I wonder, will your name be missing someday? Do you know for sure that you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus? Have you made your calling and election sure? Judas was the only one of that original number of disciples that was not a true follower of Jesus Christ. And by the time you come to Acts 1 verse 13, Judas has, in regret and remorse, taken his own life, and the Bible says he went to his own place separated from God for eternity in hell because of his rejection of Jesus Christ. And so Judas is gone. Someday that will be true. No matter who's in the number today, the Lord knows them that are his. He knows who belongs to him and who does not. The other thing that I noticed from this list in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, is who heads the list. Does this sound familiar? Peter and James and John. So here we are. Though we're dealing with the 12, we're back to this idea of the inner circle, uh, those that the Lord seemed to work most deeply and most intensely with. It wasn't that he loved them more, but he was preparing them. You remember in Mark chapter 3, we have our introduction to them. They're with him. Uh, then in uh, the next occasion where we see them, we see them going with him to Jairus' house, and we see their inability. Uh, they're, they're uh, impotence, if you will, their lack of power and his perfect power. And then we see them again on the Mount of Transfiguration, and there we hear our Lord's invitation to come up into his presence and to, to hear the Lord. He continues to give that call to every follower of Christ today. And then finally in Mark 14, we saw them in the Garden of Gethsemane receiving the instruction of our Lord in the matter of prayer. 
And if you think that's the end, I want to remind you, he's still working on all of us. When you come to Acts chapter 1, Christ has just ascended. He's just gone back up to heaven, received into the clouds. Here they still are, but guess what? He's still working on them. He's still teaching them. And in Acts 1, we see his influence on this original group of disciples. It sounds like they're almost starting to get what he was trying to teach them all along. Because here they are, wondering about the future, unsure of some details, but what do they do? The Bible says in verse 12, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. So get the picture. They've been at the Mount of Olives. That's where our Lord ascended from. Interestingly enough, that's also where the Garden of Gethsemane was. So that had been their their great classroom where they had learned something of prayer before he went to the cross. Now after the cross, he ascends from there, no doubt reminding them of so many things they've been learning. It says it's a Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem. That's about 2,000 cubits, or in our day, about a half a mile walk. So walk with these disciples, a half a mile from the Mount of Olives back to Jerusalem. And the Bible says in verse 13, when they were coming in, they went up into an upper room. I've often wondered, was it the same upper room that our Lord had reserved for them where he washed their feet? The same upper room where he instituted the Lord's Supper, the same upper room where he communed with them before the cross. I tend to believe it was. And if so, we have here this continuing picture of communion with Christ before the cross and now even in his absence after the cross. Because look at verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. So what was the first meeting of the New Testament church after the ascension of Jesus Christ? What was the first priority, the first thing they go to do? I would have thought it would have been an evangelistic crusade or perhaps a Bible study to understand more of all these Old Testament prophecies that they were seeing fulfilled at this moment or perhaps a fellowship. These have been difficult days. Let's get together and have a fellowship. No, No, the first meeting of the New Testament church, the first meeting of the followers of Christ after his ascension was a prayer meeting. Oh, what a beautiful message to every follower of Christ and to every church today. Do you know what every Christian needs? You know what every church needs? We need to learn to pray. The same thing Jesus was teaching them in the garden, we see them applying now. Do you see how Christ's influence seems to have permeated their thinking and changed the way they're looking at things? They're beginning to get it. They're starting to understand that they are nothing and he is everything, that they are totally dependent and he is totally sufficient, that if they can get away from everybody and everything else and into his presence, he'll show them what to do. They're starting to understand that the spirit truly is willing, but the flesh is weak and they must watch and pray. This is the only way any church can move forward. May I say to you, we always advance on our knees. Do you want your church to move forward? Then, my friend, let's get back to the place of prayer. Do you want your family to grow in the Lord? That doesn't happen by us lecturing and talking alone. No, we must learn to pray. And do you, dear listener, desire today to be a closer follower of Christ, to be an inner circle disciple? to go further with the Lord, then I want to say to you today, the only way that happens is by learning to pray. And we're going to come back to this passage 
because I think there's some wonderful little nuggets here that the first disciples learned and applied that we need to learn and apply. But let's just pause today. Could I challenge you to find some upper room today? Could I challenge you to find some quiet place and solitude away from the affairs of this world and what everybody's talking about today just to commune with God? You see, these disciples understood that though Jesus was not right there in front of them visibly, he was at the right hand of the Father praying for them at that moment. He had told them that's where he was going and that they could join him there at the throne room by finding a place of prayer. In fact, let's do that together right now. Wherever you are, would you pause and pray with me for a moment? As I pray, you make your own prayer to the Lord. Our Father, we just want to thank you today that you've made us followers of Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for the lovely Lord Jesus and all he is teaching us. And Lord, we want to thank you that you're still working on us. I pray for every listener. I pray for every person today studying this passage with us that you'll put in us a greater hunger and thirst to be nearer to God, and you'll bring each of us closer. Lord, teach us to pray, and teach us to be true disciples of our Lord Jesus. We thank you and praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining us today as we looked into God's Word. It is our prayer that you will follow Christ and lead others to Him. Our world is desperate for truth and hope. Scott Pauley has written a new booklet on the need of our nation that addresses what believers can and should be doing at this time. Order your copy now at enjoyingthejourney.org. We'd love to hear from you and look forward to studying with you again next time on Enjoying the Journey.